Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for the Financial Hour. Joining us, Chad Sturgill, Mike Johnson, our host Tom Dupree on the phone. We're powered by Dupree Financial Group. So, Mike, I'm guessing what? Robert Cray? Ooh, close. Good, good, good try. Uh, this just came out. It's uh, so we've had. Uh, we've played his music on before, Mark Broussard, but this is Mark. Oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Mark Broussard and on guitar Joe Bonamassa. So it's okay, you know two yeah. of my two of my favorites. I think Mike has a guitar crush on Mark Brousseau, and we definitely know he has a crush on on Joe Bonamassa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and I mean, I you know I'm going to say those are two decent, decently represented musicians. Pretty decent. I agree. You're gonna have a crush. Go ahead and have it on those two. Those are good crushes. Well, they're. I mean, so I saw both. It, it, what's really cool on both of these guys? I I started following them about 20 years ago. So Mark Broussard at that time would have been about 21. Uh, Joe Bonamassa like early mid 20s, um, and and they were just starting uh, and just seeing how you know they've made it somewhat big in the business in a kind of a, a genre you know blues rock soul uh, that's not mainstream and they've they've actually done quite well uh, but yeah, they have. seeing how they've progressed over the years it's just it's really cool it's like finding a you know a, a startup company and watching it you know grow into uh, you know an Amazon or a Tesla uh, it's just same same thing yeah all right what you got Speaking guys of- yeah, go on, Tom. Yeah, the, Elizabeth wants to get it on. Uh, <laughs> that didn't sound right. You know, get, get on with the uh, show. Yeah, get on with the show. There we go. Yeah. Get it on. Let's get it on. So there it looks to me, just from my observation, that the, you know the market's kind of trying to take a little pause here. Things have really popped, and uh, we've seen some stuff move up, which really gets back to your thing that you've said, Mike. Uh, don't try to time the market because you're going to be out at the worst possible time when things start to move if you try to get too smart. Right. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people try to outsmart the market. Uh, very seldom does that work, um, especially on a consistent basis. Um, you know, like, like you said, Tom, um, Tech uh, has had a big rally. You know, you look at the NASDAQ and see that or the the big seven uh, mega cap stocks that have driven a lot of the returns. Um, and some areas are kind of taking a breather, like you said. Uh, you saw Netflix a couple days, or I guess it was yesterday, was down, you know, around 10%. Um, and you've seen some of the others that have had the big rally, you know, kind of pull back some as well. Uh, and so that part of the market is kind of taking a breather. But then on the flip side, you're seeing other things that haven't had that big run up uh, that are now getting uh, attention, if you will. Um, it, it's basically the market's looking for more value. It, it's that simple right now. Instead of paying 40, 50 times earnings, it's like, hey, there's this other company that has good cash flow, good management that's trading in the you know, 15 uh, multiple, you know, 15 times earnings or, or even in the, the 15 to 20 times earnings. Um, yeah. And so you're seeing the, the rotation 
the broadening of the market. Uh, now it's not it's not taken full force yet. Uh, I mean, you're you're not seeing the Dow up as much as the S and P or the Nasdaq. Uh, you're not seeing the equal weight S and P 500 up nearly as much as the market cap weighted. Uh, but you are seeing some things that are doing well. Uh, one holding that we have in the portfolio uh, is doing doing quite well today. Um, and so, and we've seen that. Um, you know, areas, you know, be it financials, uh, this one's more in the, the healthcare uh, sector. Um, these areas that haven't taken part in this big rally, those are now starting to move. Um, so it, it's in this business, you're never happy uh, because, you know, when, when you see something down, you're like, that gun, you know, it's, it's, it's not moving with everything else. And then when everything starts moving, you're like, well, okay, we got to find value again or reassess. Is this still a value? Is this still a good company to own? Well, and also on the, well, you know, you, go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say on the, on the participation anyway, in the, in the S and P 500, the broadening out that we've been talking about here of the, of the rally, uh, a lot of it's caused by the fact the latest inflation data is saying that inflation is likely peaked. And so uh, the when that happens, people are more willing to invest in the companies that are they're more cyclical, the uh, you know the the ones that are they're dependent on not having a recession. Yeah. You know, another thing, a lot of your growth stock investors would argue to you that their companies are valuable. And in some ways it's hard not to argue with that when the, the prices have gone higher. They may not be absolute values. They're, they're more values in a relative sense. Certainly Warren Buffett mm-hmm. took that approach when he got away from buying, you know, cigar butts, if you will, 50 cent dollars uh, to uh, buying good businesses. And that's pushed a lot of formerly value investors into areas uh, like tech and Apple. And if you want to call it a Warren Buffett argues that Apple's really not a tech company. It's more of a consumer company, but the areas that we kind of understand uh, well are things like financials, energy and financials can encompass a broad range of different kinds of companies. It could be a bank, it could be a insurance company, it could be a leasing company, it could be a REIT, real estate investment trust. And these things all have a place in the economy. Um, I was talking to a guy in the lumber business and he was talking about how much demand Oak is or at one point. And I said, well, what about all this old beach down on my farm? He says, you never know. One day there could be this huge demand for beach because it's almost like, do you drink bourbon or do you drink vodka? Everybody's banking in the liquor industry that people are going to still want to drink bourbon for a long time, but, but consumer taste can change. Now, if you think that that doesn't happen in the financial services business and in investing it does uh tastes change people get interested in different kinds of things at different times one thing that's been previously hot can turn cold 
what we're looking for are things that on an absolute basis seem to look, uh, you know, attractive. And, but that can also be a growth stock if you look at it relative to where it has been. Well, Tom, you also need to consider that our time horizon may be longer than a lot of investors, or I don't, I don't think we can really call them investors. I think they're more speculators if they're trying to make a quick buck. You know, we're willing to, uh, to have a, a wait, have a time horizon of three to five years for something to fully play out. And we can't predict when exactly it's going to catch fire, but we think over a, a market cycle anyway, it will catch fire, and that's what we're we're interested in. We're trying to buy it at a good price, and then the market. You know, the, one of my favorite. Ben Graham quotes is in the short run, the market is a voting mechanism in the long run, it's a weighing mechanism. And uh, yeah. I, I'm happy with the uh, taking the time for the weighing mechanism to, to, to come into play. You know, as soon as you think, you know, what's going on in the market, that's when you have to go back and reassess. And, The thing that we try to do at, at, at the pre-financial group that uh, I'm not saying other people don't do it, but we try to do it on a regular basis is keep an eye on what's going on with our companies, what's going on with the places that we've invested, and do the research. We have to constantly be you know, on the lookout for evolving storylines on, I mean, these guys report earnings every quarter. Not that we make our buying and selling decisions based purely on quarterly earnings reports, but we want to pay attention to the, to the base business and see how it's doing. If we can invest in something that's a little simpler, uh, then we don't have to worry about all the moving parts a little bit easier to follow and some of those companies can be very attractive as well and there's something that you as an investor is, are likely to understand better well and like you said it's it's finding that baseline so when you're looking at a company and you're you know watching the quarterly earnings or having you know between those earnings calls with the company or or just continuous research it's like health um, you know, you get a baseline on your health, what your, your heart rate is, your, you know, your blood pressure, your, you know, all these different things. You have to have that baseline to compare it to over time. And so that's, that's the, really, that's one of the hardest parts about investing. It's the, the tedious part, uh, but it's vitally important you know, to maintain what that baseline is. So when something deviates from that, that's when, you maybe need to make a change uh, or or you have to have some sort of a decision point. Um, And so that's, that's the hard part of it. Just making a a decision to buy or sell that in and of itself, isn't the hardest. It's what goes into making that decision. uh, And that's the constant part. Well, and the sell decision is a lot harder to get right than the buy decision too. Yeah, that's right. It's because, uh, we may be underestimating a company's capabilities. We think that based on what we know now that it's expensive, but they may be part of a, of a starting a super cycle on something. Uh, 
and, and we get out and miss something. So we, we are constantly looking at that. But during earnings season right now, what we're doing, I mean, it's, it's, we're in, we're in the second quarter earnings season reports right now, so it's very busy for us. But what we're looking for is, is, is management doing what they said they're going to do. And if right. they're doing what they said they're going to do, then we're okay with it. But if they're not, then we really spend more time on it, trying to see if something has changed that we, that makes us want to get out of the, the name. We need to be able to trust the management to deliver. And that's what earnings that's season right. is, is for. Well, and like you said, taste change um, and uh, appetites for risk changes. Uh, a lot of that has to do with you know he- headlines that are going on. Uh, it could be political, economic, um, geopolitical, all these different things. It, it, fear, greed, um, all those things shape what the current appetite is in the market. Um, and you have products that come on based on that appetite, um, be it so, – go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. Well, when we're analyzing a business – we look at all those things, but we're also looking at the basic business. Is it producing ongoing cash flow? You know, we, we own some boring companies. We own some pipeline companies. Son, you talk about boring. That's what <laughs> you want. I mean, they you got uh, crude or uh, natural gas going through these pipelines, and these guys are getting a small amount of money for every uh, bit of that stuff that goes through. And it's a toll road. It's meant to be boring. But here's the thing. They produce very predictable cash flow. See, people buy and sell stuff. And I, I, I sat next to a guy on the plane. He was telling me how he owned a bunch of NVIDIA and how great it had been. And it's been a wonderful stock. Been a wonderful stock. But... I'm saying, what do you depend upon for your monthly cash flow? And he kind of looked at me like, what are you talking about? You know, I buy and sell stocks, you know, and I'm thinking, what happens when you can't keep doing that anymore? Or it doesn't work. You turn cold. Instead of doing well, you start doing poorly. You know, people have, a lot of people have built growth into their, Sort of, they've hardwired this notion of growth and selling stocks at a profit into their whole income picture. They haven't reconfigured the their their portfolio and their way of thinking about investing uh, to gear it for retirement. They are just depending upon future growth and future profits from growth. Well, and there's a finite amount of money chasing uh, the the stocks and. Uh, and reason I bring that up is because if something is hot like NVIDIA, that means something else has gotten cold, and it doesn't mean that cold company is a bad company. So we're looking at what's not done well this year to see if something has been uh, been sold off too much, if, if there's uh, some value there. Uh, and we know that over a full market cycle, uh, you know, the, the healthcare industry is going to perform better than it has over the last few years. That doesn't mean we're rushing in to buy stuff there, but we're certainly looking in that space, among others. Uh, but those are the companies that consistently pay that income stream. They can, uh, they can uh, generate the dividend portion of your of your income and give you that uh, dependability, regardless of what the stock price is doing. And if you can pick it up at a at a good price, all the better. Well, and it's yeah. uh, 
part of its recency bias too. You know, how many people in the business today have never seen anything except a bull market? Um, you know, raise my hand or, by the way. or with, <laughs> I, I have seen yeah. bad markets. Yeah. I've seen a bear. I've seen a bull market. I've been in the business 45 years. I've seen a continuous bull market interspersed with a few painful bear markets. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I mean, you, and that's gotta be true because I started in the business in 78 and the Dow was at or under a thousand today. It's at 34,000. You cannot call that a bear market, although these things can happen. And then you have what's called uh, a sequence of return risk. Yeah, you can cut it. And uh, you, can, you can have what's called sequence of return, return risk. And that is dangerous in terms of your portfolio. It can screw you up if you're sucking money out of it to live on. And that can happen in the middle of a bull market. Absolutely. And we have, uh, the, I mean, the other point to, to make there is that uh, going back to what you said about people who are relying on trading for a living, I mean, there were uh, probably millions of people that thought they had had this all figured out back in the late 90s and going into the 2000 tech crash uh, because you bought a stock. I mean, that was when Jim Cramer uh, jumped onto CNBC and was, uh, you know, made, made that soundboard with his bye, bye, bye. And, uh, you know, the different sound effects <laughs> yeah. going on. That's when people became entertainment for people, but they were buying stocks like, uh, and I've used some of his names, JDS Uniphase, just don't sell us is what he called it. Um, and JDS <laughs> Uniphase is, I don't think they exist anymore. They, they were a company that I believe got bought by, or the remnants of it got bought by somebody else. And I, I, I'm not yeah. positive on that, but the point is that was a thousand dollar stock or $800 stock. And then there was micro strategies. That was another big stock that people traded. And you know, when everything's going up, people are pouring money into the market. It's, it's easy to make money, but when that goes away, you realize you don't have anything. You thought you had a business model and that business model was totally dependent on, uh, uh, you know, on, on optimism and, and animal spirits, positive animal spirits in the stock market. So uh, we try gotta to hop guys. I'll talk to you. Okay. Bye, Tom. Tom. But we try to put something together here. That's going to get you through those rough patches. That isn't uh, seasonal. That isn't uh, dependent on everything going right. Well, and it's, it's always that balancing act that you want to have current income, but you also have want to have long-term growth. Cause you, if, if you have something that's only paying a dividend and the stock never moved, depending on what the dividend yield is, uh, but if it never moved, at some point inflation is going to start eating away at that. So you, that's that's what you get with a bond. You get fixed income. It's it's you know you get X dollars. That's your interest payment for the term of the bond. Uh, so that's fixed income with a stock with a dividend paying stock. A lot of those um, not only pay the dividend, but you also have an increasing dividend payment in dollar terms. And then the current yield is that in relation to the stock price. And so the current yield, you can sometimes get a, 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 a deal, if you will. Uh, if you're buying it at a lower price, it still has that same dividend. You're getting a better current yield. Um, but the you know, we have one one company in the portfolio that's raised dividends. They're on their 63rd year. Um, the stock price has not always gone up. There's been periods where the stock price has gone down, but that dividend's been consistent uh, and consistently going up. Um, now, 
there's no guarantee with anything. Um, but it's a, as Tom was saying a minute ago, it, this is a relatively boring business with fairly predictable and repeatable cash flows. Um, and so when you're constructing a portfolio, you have the, the dividend portion, you have hopefully a rising dividend and different stocks serve different purposes, different companies. Um, and then you also have some growth components to that as well. Um, and so it, it, all of these are just, they're levers that can be pulled and tweaked depending on the client's situation. Yeah. All right. It's a good wow. place to Perfect jump. Perfect timing. Yeah. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and on the phone was Tom Dupree. Unleash your investing potential with Dupree Financial Group. Take steps to achieve your financial goals. Come see us. Make your money work for you. 859-233-0400. You can also go to our website, dupreefinancial.com, and schedule an appointment directly on our homepage. Come see us. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Financial Hour. Stay tuned. This is Tom Dupree at Dupree Financial Group. Our primary concern is getting you through retirement with enough money. In retirement, your monthly expenses don't go away. That's why we focus on investments that pay either monthly or quarterly income. Many folks have no idea of how to tap their retirement accounts for monthly income. We'll show you how. We have 45 years of experience providing income-oriented investments. For a free review of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings on News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400.
Welcome back to the Time to Priest Show. Joining us for this segment, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill. I got that mouth Sturgill. S T U R G I L L. Tom Dupree was on the phone, but that's a whole nother story. He's now on an airplane, and I don't know whether the last segment, whether he did most of it sitting on the airplane or in the terminal, but I'm just glad he's on the plane and didn't miss the flight. (laughs) So we're powered by Dupree Financial Group, and you all are going to take over right now. Take it away, Mike. All right. (laughs) I'm, just, I'm still listening yep. to this. Just, man, hey, hey, they it's want good. me to talk for yeah. you since you want to listen. That's, that's just, <laughs> look at that groove right there. Not just that, but props to Mike. Mike was at the, what is it, at the turntable today. I was chomping at the, the bit. <laughs> I found found this album actually yesterday, so I, it, I was chomping at the bit to be able to play this. So I think Tom excited was, to share it with you all. I think Tom was impressed. I think he liked it as well. <laughs> All right, um, back to business. Um, there was an article in Barron's. Um, it was pretty interesting. Um, coming into this year, you know, everybody was talking about recession um, because of what the Fed had been doing, raising rates. Uh, and this was this was pretty interesting. Uh, talking about Mike, one, let me let me add something. Go ahead, quick. please. Fed raising rates, but also we've had an inverted yield curve for over a year, and that's uh, mm-hmm. basically where the longer-term Treasury yields are below the short-term Treasury yields, and that nine times out of ten, or even higher than nine times out of ten, mean, means the recession will happen over the next 12 to 18 months. So people have been expecting a recession and expecting everything to get worse uh, when uh, from the beginning of the year here. So it was it was pretty – I mean, the data was there to support a recession for sure. Well, and and we don't know. I mean, you we could still technically have a recession. That's still possible. Right. Um, but it's also possible that the market was pricing in and it has already priced in. That was what happened in 2022, that you had the market react. And it could be right that we will have a recession. Um, and, but it's already priced that in and the recovery's already started. We don't know. And to wit on that, the S&P from peak to trough dropped 26% last year, which is about a little, actually slightly bigger drop than average when we have a recession looming. So the again, the data is supportive of that, that it's maybe there is a recession, but the market's already priced it in. Right. But there's this one variable I thought was really interesting. It's talking about uh, consumers deleveraging. Um, Going back to the financial crisis uh, through today, um, you've seen most U.S. households have uh, made significant changes just on their attitudes of, to debt, um, you saw, so for, at the end of 2007, uh, which was right before the financial crisis, to the end of last year, the U.S. The, the US household debt as a percentage of U.S. GDP, uh, it's fallen from 101% to 77% of GDP. Um, more importantly, and this, this, you know, this, this goes to your pocketbook, um, if you look at uh, debt 
uh, debt servicing ratio, which is basically how much your take-home pay is going to servicing debt. Uh, the household debt servicing ratio has fallen from 13.2% of disposable income in 2007 to 9.6% at the end of uh, first quarter of this year. So what's happened during that time? It's been a combination of things. Uh, people have paid down debt. They've not taken on new debt, um, but they've also refinanced existing debt. Um, everybody's you know familiar with you know what's gone on with uh, interest rates with mortgages uh, for the last seven, eight years. Um, most everybody has refinanced you know, what was initially a 7% mortgage to maybe a sub 4%, in some cases, maybe a sub 3%. There are some of those still out there. Yeah, I think something like, uh, it's it's in the 90% range, 90 plus percent range of all existing mortgages are at three and a half percent or below. Right. And, and so when you're looking at cash flow on a monthly basis, what's happened is, your cash flow is improved um, because you were able to refinance at this lower rate. So the amount that's going to service debt on a monthly basis has gone down. So all of this combined, so that's on the household level. You saw it also on the corporate level. Uh, so companies that uh, you know issued bonds or paid off debt they you know and they issue new debt to pay off the old debt at lower rates and a lot of times they extended out the maturity uh, the duration of those bonds um, so they were able to lock in that lower rate for longer um, so all that combined um, we're seeing that it appears that the consumer and the US economy isn't as uh, sensitive to rising rates as everybody thought it was going to be uh, because the 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 thought last year was right rates are going up we're going to have all this bad stuff happen and we're not seeing that no and and uh, we have seen a little bit of a of an uptick in consumers using more debt to keep up their purchases uh, because the prices have gone up quite a bit even though you're seeing that that uh, level off here I mentioned the inflation stabilizing. We think we've gotten to, to peak inflation, or certainly the market thinks that. Uh, so you've seen a little bit of an uptick, but we're still at really low levels historically. So we, we haven't seen a, a big jump that, that alarms us. Uh, the savings household savings rates have dropped some, but they're still at, at healthy levels. So uh, you might see some headline news saying that you know that people are having to borrow more to, to keep up with uh, with with their uh, needs. I guess their cost uh, their, of living. Uh, but it's it's just short term information, and on a historic level, it's pretty pretty low. So I mean, it, it's setting up well for this market uh, rally that we've seen to to have some legs. Um, you never know; you can't really predict what's going to happen tomorrow with the stock market, and uh, the market will make a liar out of you if you try to go out and That's make a right. prediction. That's exactly uh, so, right. but it, at least at the, from a fundamental standpoint, with the factors that are driving it, uh, you know, one other issue that that I watch closely is the how easy it is for both corporations and consumers to borrow money and what the actual loan demand is because people borrowing, that's going to be positive for uh, growth. And uh, the banks have tightened lending standards a bit to both corporations and individuals, but not at any crazy level that, that would cause alarm here. And of course this could change over time, but 
as it sits right now, I mean, the, the fundamentals look fairly solid for uh, for this rally to uh, to continue or at least not to, to crater here. We were talking in the first half about continuing to monitor uh, the companies that we own, looking for opportunities. And one thing that we are watching, we were talking about this earlier, Chad, um, is – at some point, you know, companies did lock in lower rates uh, for longer terms. We're talking about their 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 debt, their bonds, um, those come due, um, and depending on when those come due, you know, they will possibly, likely, have to refinance at a higher rate if they don't pay down the debt. And most companies don't. I mean, they they net net. Most companies are raising, you know, increasing their debt load over time, depending on, depending on the sector. Either way, when those bonds mature and they have to issue new ones, there's a good chance they'll be at a higher rate than what they have. Absolutely. Uh, but most companies, I mean, in theory, if management's doing what it's supposed to on a, on a regular basis, they are, if it makes sense, if they can get a higher return by investing in a project, then it costs them to borrow money they're going to borrow money to pursue that project and anything that they, um, I mean, when they reach that point where they can't make money on it, the borrowing uh, or their cost of capital is uh, exceeds what their return would be. Uh, they give it back to the shareholders, at least a lot of the, the companies do. So, you know, having debt is not necessarily a bad thing as long as they were able to put that debt to work and make money on it to actually make a margin, a positive margin for the shareholders, for the owners of the company. And so, Yes, there's going to be debt issued at higher rates, but as long as they can still make better returns on their investments than uh, than they're paying on their debt, it still makes sense to carry some debt. Uh, the debt, you know, companies are perpetual. They they mm-hmm. they do not have if they're if they're in a good business and they're run right, they will outlive all of us and our children and grandchildren. But uh, if they manage it properly, then they are they can go on indefinitely. So that's what the management's charged with doing. What's what they're trying to do. And uh, I, I'm, I've kind of talked myself into I didn't really have a segue for that, Mike. So you want to rescue me on that? I'm just I was just saying that debt is debt is not a bad thing. I just don't want when people, you start people digging a hole, they think oh, debt is bad. And <laughs> there's such thing as good debt and bad debt. That's that's mainly where I'm going from. So even refinancing at a higher rate, it's not going to be a problem. Um, so if, the first the thing you do when you company. start digging a hole, Chad, stop, stop, stop digging. <laughs> um, so what? The thing that always amazes me with companies, and this is what what you were talking about on deploying capital, um, a company, uh, they they make something or offer something, a a service or a product or a good. Um, But really all they're doing is it's a fit, the efficient deployment of capital, the efficient use of capital. Um, so like you said, do they, what makes more sense? Do they reinvest in their business where they can earn 12% or 15% or they pay down debt that when they refinance it, it's going to be at five and a half or 6%. Instead of uh, three, right. Yeah. Right. And then you look at share buybacks. You know, these are all the, the we're talking about earlier, the levers that we pull when we're putting a portfolio together, it's the same thing with a company. There's all these different levers to pull. Um, do they uh, buy back shares? You know, if it's a company that pays a dividend and the div- the current dividend yield is 6%, well, that's a, a use of capital potentially. But it, it's, it's always 
it, it's fascinating with companies and just finance in general is that you're always looking for the most efficient use of that money. Um, and you as an investor, as a consumer doing the same exact thing that a company's doing for your house, but you're doing it for your household. Uh, you're looking for, and or you should be looking for the most efficient use of your capital. Um, is that, um, putting into a 401k with, you know, a guaranteed match from the employer? Is that putting into a Roth IRA? Is that taking uh, X withdrawal rate, uh, you know, a 3% withdrawal rate or a 2%? You know, what effect does that have? So it's, it's, it's constant weighing of decisions. Um, but you have to be able to analyze those decisions and actually be able to weigh it. Um, and that's, that's what's so fascinating about this business is you look at it from the, the, the company level, the investment level, but then you look at it on the personal, you know, minutia household level. And in between there, that's every decision. There's a way to maximize the use of capital. Absolutely. And I mean, that's what should be happening, uh, but trying to see the big picture at a household level or at a corporate level is a skill that has developed over time. I mean, somebody fresh out of, um, or actually still in school or fresh out of school, whether that's whatever grade level uh, you leave school, uh, is you don't know anything about it really unless your parents have taught you because they don't teach it in schools anymore. But you learn over time that, hey, this isn't a good use of my money and and there are better ways to spend it. So what we encourage people to do is make sure that the way they spend their money, the way they invest their money is aligned with their values, that their, their priorities are reflected in, in how they're living basically. And, and, uh, that's something that households do if they decide that, um, it's important to them that they have a nice house or that they have, uh, you know, some people like to travel, you know, they're, they're going to prioritize that. Uh, so same thing with a company. That's what we're looking at with management. Are they prioritizing the right things and are they consistently prioritizing the right things? And for, uh, fortunately there are some companies out there, as Tom was talking about in the previous segment, a lot of boring companies out there that, that uh, just make a little bit of money, but that cash flow is there and it's consistent these companies don't try to be something that they're not. They understand they're going to, to collect a little bit of a fee for just letting people use their, their highway or their pipeline. And, and that's okay. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're going to take advantage of that because the management knows what they're doing and they have their priorities straight. Uh, so same thing with, uh, with the household, like we, we said, but I do want to segue to mention something about debt, uh, People being yeah, able. he didn't dig that hole again. Did you notice? <laughs> I learned He's segueing. Learned. <laughs> yeah, when you have to say segue, it's not really a smooth segue, is it? So, uh, but they have uh, something we watch also closely is the delinquency rates for both consumers and businesses, uh, and that is a, a pretty good early indicator that things are about to get bad. And that's another area where it, it's telling us that uh, you know the delinquency rates have not spiked. Uh, look at subprime lending, the the def- defaults rate or the delinquency rate there, and those are pretty low too. So uh, it, again, I'm, I don't want to sound like Pollyanna and say everything's great because there's always storm clouds on the horizon that could mm-hmm. could throw things uh, or cause a storm there for us. And but as it as it stands right now, we're we're seeing pretty positive uh, signs, and also the 
part about the market, what's driving the market has been seven, the super seven stocks. They're responsible for about 70% of the gains in the market year to date. And I say the market, I mean the S&P 500 return. Uh, that means there are 493 companies that are barely keeping up. But when you see um, the market, when you have that, uh, those, that few of a number of companies driving that high of a return, you generally see reversion to the mean. And that's, what the market is starting to price in while you're seeing that broadening of the rally, you're seeing people invest in, in names that are not part of the super seven. Uh, and I, I think that's what we are, you know, I guess that's the $64,000 question or yeah. whatever dollar amount, I guess inflation makes it higher, but that's what we're waiting to see. Do you see that? Do you see those super seven come back to earth or do you see the rest of the market catch up to the super seven? So, and what we're seeing right now is it's broadening out that the others are starting to catch up, and uh, the other one, you know, the the super seven have kind of leveled off, maybe coming down a little bit. One other topic we don't have a lot of time, but I did want to touch on it just briefly. We we talk about market timing and not trying to market time. Uh, you know, guess you know in the short run, short moves in the market, um, but. In this environment, inevitably, there are people out there, maybe people that are listening, that have done that. Uh, we're not throwing stones. Uh, I mean, er, with investing, it's always you're, you're, you are where you are. Uh, decisions in the past have been made. You always have to go from where you are moving forward. Um, so the question becomes, and this could be because of a decision that was made, um, where you have a lot of cash, maybe you liquidated, um, and you have cash, you've been waiting on the sidelines, or it could be something just life changing, um, where you retire, you have a 401k and you know, the rollover happens and boom, you have cash available. The question becomes how to deploy that cash and get that cash moving in line with your, what your plan should be. Um, and there's not a blanket. Here's the recommendation. Um, we can give you a plan to do that. Um, it'll depend on your situation, but it may not be just, Hey, boom, everything let's reinvest it immediately. It might be gradual. It might be dollar cost averaging, you know, trying to be opportunistic without trying to time the market. Um, but it's, you need a plan to redeploy. Um, you know, we've seen this in this business time and time again, where something has happened with a portfolio, um, be it a bad decision or otherwise. And here is, here's where we are. We have this cash or this holding or this fund, whatever it may be. But our situations changed. Um, we're in a different spot in life. And this just isn't working for that plan that we have. We don't have a plan moving forward. That's, that's what we do. Um, we can help you. We can talk with you. We don't dictate it. We can talk with you and help you formulate that plan uh, of redeployment of cash um, and ha make sure that that's fitting within what your goals are, long-term goals. You know, we're really good listeners at Dupree Financial Group as well. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Get a financial plan tailored to your situation. Call us, 859-233-0400. 
You can also go to our homepage on our website, duprefinancial.com, and schedule an appointment directly on our homepage. We appreciate you listening to the Financial Hour. And we're powered by Dupree Financial Group, by the way. When I see you stroll, lose my self-control.